Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris here with Actual Eye Podcast. In our previous episode, episode 25, the season of giving, what did I call that? Tis the season, mac and cheese, something along those lines. <laughs> we, we talked a little bit about gratitude. I spoke about this special time of thankfulness that we set aside and this season of giving that we're coming into. And how beautiful, how cool it is that we have this tradition as the human, as a human race in so many cultures around the planet. How we have this special time set aside for giving, expressing our love, and for even cherishing each other in life with a sense of wonderment. It's like we highlight the magical nature of reality this time of year. But does it ever need to cease to be magical at all? And can we extend this mode of being, this way of giving, this compassion, this kindness, this love, this sense of wonder for all beings? There's a Buddhist prayer known as the Metta Prayer also known as the Four Measurables, which I really love and I'd like to share today. It goes, May all beings have happiness and the cause of happiness. May they be free of suffering and the cause of suffering. May they never be disassociated from the supreme happiness, which is without suffering. May they remain in the boundless equanimity, free from both attachment to close ones and rejection of others. Each of the four verses corresponds to a mental state. The first, may all beings have happiness and the cause of happiness represents loving kindness. The next immeasurable, may they be free of suffering and the cause of suffering. And this encompasses compassion. The third, may they never be disassociated from the supreme happiness which is without suffering. This is sympathetic joy wishing for the joy resultant of loving kindness and compassion to be always available. And the last, may they remain in the boundless equanimity, free from both attachment to close ones and rejection of others. And this represents peace or equanimity being totally okay with what is just as it is. We are having no expectations here. We are giving. For love is to be given, never to be expected. So in this time of year, we've now spent time with our loved ones in Thanksgiving. We enter this season of giving. 
where we continue this beautiful tradition. And I really appreciate this prayer because it aligns very well with the ideas of Christmas, for instance, and the teachings of Christ. The meta prayers designed for us to focus our love beyond. We begin it with those close to us for whom love and appreciation comes naturally and effortlessly. And we widen our love from this space until it becomes profound and vast and encapsulates all of life. When we come from this depth of love, we see how special others are intrinsically. We see how all deserve compassion and kindness and how we can appreciate and care for others without attachments, without expectations and express the best of what we hope to see in this world, naturally. When asked, how should we treat others? The great mystic Ramana Maharshi replied, there are no others. What a beautiful sentiment. There are no others. What exactly does he mean by this? Because I believe he's going beyond metaphor here. We do have these inbuilt impressions, these images of ourselves that we hold in mind, these personages that we act through in life. And we build ideas for everything and everyone around us as well. Ramana seems to be suggesting that we can get beyond these ideas. When he suggests there are no others, He means something deeper than metaphor. He means that we only perceive in a way that places significance on images and ideas because this is a psychological habit. And when one is freed of the idea of themselves, they cease to see others as ideas. And there is no longer that sort of sense of separation between us. We meet reality as it is in this moment. And what a wonder reality is to take away all the labels and ideas we hold about ourselves and just for this very moment right now, Since the experience of being a living being, we have no idea how this universe began. Yet here we are, alive, breathing, as this incredibly capable human being, able to appreciate and love interact with this world in so many ways. Those moments of truest compassion allow us moments of true communication and a deeper 
appreciation and understanding becomes possible. Of course, we are all outgrowths of the same planet, the same source materials. All of us self-reflective extensions of Earth that are able to ponder ourselves and the very origin of the universe. We have language that helps us express ourselves. And while it's very useful, it's also part of how we build our self-perception. These words signify rich, complex, deep ideas and emotions, yet are mere approximations of the actual that we utilize for the sake of convenience and communication. With any particular word, I am saying I'm pointing towards this, but this that I am pointing to is always so much more than the word alone can express. We've talked about this before. If you peel the label, the word tree away from a tree and see any particular tree, just as it is without that inbuilt image, that inbuilt perception, that default tree that we have in our heads whenever we think of tree. If you just see any tree as it is, it's it's a miracle. It's so complex, beautiful the way it veins out into the sky. Its textures, its changing leaves, its root complex mirrored by its branches above. This thing that reaches out towards the sun to grow and helps sustain life for so many of us here on this planet. We have this beautiful symbiotic relationship with trees. We breathe in what they breathe out, and they breathe in what we breathe out. They feed us and they shelter us. But these again are all terms, and just to see something without any preloaded conception allows it to shine with all of its richness and infinite complexity as a wonder as the wonder that it is. And we are all wonders, all of us here. So, we can see how we've gotten used to thinking in terms of symbols and language. While at the same time, we are these artistic, creative creatures of various complex cultures, national identities, religious, political affiliations, and so on. And so we have all these labels for one another, all these easy shortcut ways of identifying one another. But these these images, they're so resolution, low resolution compared to the actual being. We're always changing and growing. And what if we allow each other that room to be amorphous, to always be potentially changing and growing. 
You know, we barely get to know each other sometimes, even those that we're most close with. Because we're still trying to come to know ourselves. So, for those few rare people that we do truly get to know and love and appreciate, we can recognize the worthwhile nature of that kind of relationship. How can we have a posture that allows others to be the best version of themselves? Have no expectation of them being a certain way and still appreciate them all the same. Well, it seems to come from having no image of ourselves. So that's the question that we're going into today. How can we see past our images of each other, know each other as we are this moment, regardless of our differing beliefs, as the always changing, ongoing miracles we truly are? Can we be without a pre-built image of another while still holding a pre-built image of ourselves? doesn't seem to be the case that we can. Behind the descriptions of who we are according to traits such as I am this or I am that, I am this profession, I am this nationality, this religion, with this name, these accomplishments, we're listing off a list of traits to try and describe who we are, but who is the I that has the traits? We say I am this or I am that, I like this, I am, I like that. Who is the actual I that has, that is, this or that? Who is the actual I behind the descriptions, behind the lists of preferences, behind the habits and conditioning, the awareness of the personal image? Does it have any features itself? Beyond that, it is, it is aware. And what is this awareness? If it has no story. Because it is even aware of the story of me, the thoughts, the ideas, the way we frame reality through the lens of our own personal personages. Have we ever investigated this before and gotten to the very bottom of it? Is there an essential me at the bottom of it? And notice that without our self-labels, without the pre-built self-image that of course there is still this sense of I. Even before I say I am happy or I am sad, I am this or I am that. At the bottom of all ideation, all image building, all self-conception, there remains this clear awareness 
that still maintains its essential me-ness, its essential sense of being, yet is free of conditions. The awareness itself is free of preferences. It holds the mind's preferences as they come up, and we are aware of our thoughts and our ideas and our preferences, yet it itself is just spacious awareness. It simply reflects everything just as it is, and it's there before the mind even begins to make interpretations of itself. I was watching a video recently of uh, Jiddu Krishnamurti speaking with a group of students. And at, at the point in the conversation uh, they were in, he was telling them, you don't need to be concerned if someone calls you a fool because you're not this idea of yourself that is being attacked. Who is being called a fool anyway? So he, he helped them realize how to be free, not just independent of the, of the ideas and opinions of others, but essentially free by recognizing that we all have these inbuilt ideas of ourselves that we've acquired, that we've built up. And that these ideas are identified with, you know, we are identified with this idea of self that is being attacked. But if we have an image, and the image is just an illusion, it's just an idea, then really what is being attacked? Why even be bothered? They, they totally got it. They were totally with him. He helped them by assisting them really in discovering for themselves step by step through the process of self-inquiry. And they hung right in, uncovering this insight and seeing as we can right now. Seeing that we have a self-image that we are identified with. this accumulated image. I have accomplished this. I have accomplished that. This is where I'm from. This is what I like to do. This is who I perceive myself to be. This jumble of ideas and conceptions we've become identified with. This that we mistakenly take for ourselves is not actually the deepest part of ourselves. As it naturally goes, we're not these ideas. We're not our self-description. We are the awareness of the ideas. We are what thoughts and emotions arise in. We are this clear awareness that the idea of self arises in. Who is the you that has this sense of self? Which is what Krishnamurti asked these kids. 
Who is offended? Isn't it your self-image? Then have no self-image. And the children ask, well, how to do that? And he says, well, if you see that self-images are dangerous, then you won't bother with them at all. So he's trying to give them a shortcut here. But that's hard to do because our whole lives we've been building up these self-images and to let them go, we feel like we'd be in, without an anchor and we would just be floating out there in space. So one of the children, he asks, if you drop your self-image, what is left? Who, who are we then? Notice, without a self-description, there is a sense of freedom, a sense of peace. There's something innately natural and easygoing about this disposition, this most intrinsic way of being. Let's try this now together. I'd like for every one of these episodes to be an opportunity for us to inquire within. So notice, without a self-description, who are you? Beyond even the adjectives I've listed off, a sense of freedom and, and all of that. We notice that any idea, any word or, or term we come up with still appears within this all-pervading sense of knowing that's always been there. And again, knowing isn't maybe the exact right word, but there is this ongoing awareness that itself has its its own essential, distinct nature to it. It's so fundamental that it's what we identify as the feeling of now, which consequently, or quite surprisingly, feels precise, precisely the same as the sense we feel when we refer to what we call ourselves, like when we say me, the sense of me, the sense of I, is the same as the sense of now. So focusing on that feeling, the sense of being here in this moment, as this essential knower of reality, this not just witness, but this awareness, Without any words now. Who are you? Go into it. We're not trying to come up with a singular answer that will settle this once and for all. We are inquiring in to find out for the first time. Right now. Who is this 
or what? Is this awareness that contains all my ideas? Who is this feeling of me that's always been here and felt the same regardless of my age? That even my ideas of my preferences appear in and are noted by and recognized by. Who is that awareness? Because it seems to own nothing and yet everything that goes on in our consciousness appears within this ongoing, unbothered field of awareness. And here there is a sense of presence, that sense of I, that most familiar sense of being. We are what has these ideas. We are what has these emotions. So we are before our emotions even. And what is the sense of this most primary state of awareness? Once again, that is always here, right now. This awareness of being that all emotions and ideas arise in. Take a nice deep breath and be reacquainted with the unconditioned self, the capital S self, that all sentient beings share. The only true self that has always been and evermore will be behind our conceptions, preferences, behind our egos, our psychological sense of self, that personage, that cast image. There's this that is ageless, which is why it's known as the unborn, the stateless state, the ground of being, and so on. This is I before we say and identify as I am this or I am that. It's just I-ness. And from here, notice this perfect freedom, the inherent stillness, the peacefulness, the easiness, the bliss of it. This is so native to us. You know that feeling, like, you might not have had it in a while, but this used to happen to me when I was a kid. Uh, I would just suddenly feel overwhelming joy and I would like want to jump up and dance for no reason. You know that feeling? That is it. That is it. That is the I without trying to control reality. That is I without expectations. That is I just being in the sense of wonder and love and joy that comes out from us naturally when we have no hang-ups and we have no attachments and expectations and ideas of how things should be. It's a state that we can flow from most easily. It's so native to us, so essential and always here, that we forget it. Yet we know the sense of it immediately as it is the most primary state of being we've ever known. It's always been 
This is what our frames of perception have been laden over. So what if we remove these frames, these filters, and experience life as it is prior to our interpretations, attachments, ideas, and preferences? Feel how naturally gratitude comes to you in this mode of being. I would love to continue talking about this right now, but I've actually got to get to work. So, I'm going to leave you guys for now. I wish you all the best. Love you guys. Talk to you soon.